by the way, I'm very sure you just said we discuss other irrelevant topics. <laughs> Did I? I'll see if I can cut that. I don't think so. <laughs> I think you might have. <laughs> Maybe I've just misheard. <laughs> Welcome to Kaiseki Anime, where we air new episodes every other week. Kaiseki covers currently airing anime, older series seen recently, and other relevant topics for the season. I'm your host, Marina, of the blog Anime B&B, and with me is my co-host, Draggle, of the cleverly titled Draggle's Anime Blog. This week, we discuss the Heike story. So, Drago, we're almost at the end of the fall season, and we're deep into the holiday season, and I'm glad to say that we get to start our seasonal wrap with the Heike story, which finished earlier by most of the shows. It started, like, in the middle of last season and ended in the middle of this one. Oh, did it? I didn't realize when it started. It did, yeah. It was very unusual. I don't know why they did that, but it was so good. Yeah, I would not hesitate to say that this is probably one of the best shows of this year. Like, not just the season, but the year. Probably the decade. Decade? Okay, that's that's a lot. Well, the decade's only two years so far, so... Okay. Oh, oh, I see how it is. You don't think they can top this? I don't know. Hard to say. It was pretty good. <laughs> okay. Well, let's backtrack a little bit to talk about what this story is, which it sounded kind of familiar to me at the start, but I'm not too knowledgeable, really, about Japanese literature. So I had an idea that it was probably from an original work. It looks like that that is correct, right? Yeah, it's from uh, this like really old thing, The Tale of the Heike. I heard of it, but I knew basically nothing about it before I watched this show. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of a couple of others that are quite notable, like Genji Monogatari. This is Heike Monogatari. So I, I walked into this without really knowing anything. Yeah, me too. And I, I still feel like I barely scratched the surface. Has this show interested you into going further and like trying to learn a little bit more about this era? I mean, I've always been kind of curious about it. I doubt I'm actually going to read the Hikimonogatari. I get the impression that it's kind of like uh, long and dull, but maybe <laughs> maybe that's maybe. Impression. Well, this is based off of a translation, right? This is off of like a 2016 translation. Oh, really? Which modernizes that tale. That's what I found out. Huh. Who knows know if that. that's true? <laughs> okay. I don't know much about translations. I thought it probably really depends on the person, whether or not they're able to make it interesting, but still true to the original. Yeah, it's interesting that you'd have an anime based on a specific translation as well. Yeah, like what I want to know is, does the original work, which is way back, like 13th century, does that also come from this point of view, this girl? Right? No, Biwa I'm, is what we call her. I'm pretty sure that Biwa doesn't exist at all in the original work. Okay, so this is probably like an anime original, her character, maybe. Yeah. Okay, this is mostly just my speculation, but mm -hmm. I, I think um, a lot of the times when she goes into like Biwa playing wood and singing with the. Right, the and cool she goes voice, all like that white haired character. And yeah, she's, yeah, I think there she's, <laughs> she's quoting from the original book. Mm -hmm. 
So I think like she's supposedly the author, like in the anime perspective, but I I don't think uh, she was actually in the original story. Yeah, I'm really curious, like how that story was told. If it's something like an epic where it's just like a poem from some you know omniscient character, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know telling the story. Apparently, or it's what? a it's a prose epic from what I read. It's not okay. a, not oh. a poem. So I, th- I think a lot of what she was singing was actually prose, but like set to BWA music. I, I guess that's how it works. I don't entirely know. And this story does begin with her and ends kind of with her. And what we do is we enter into this era with her and her father, and they look very poor. And they're entering into this main city, and they see these supporters, these... I don't know what they're called, like the youth of the Heike <laughs> out to attack. It felt kind of like German occupation thing to me where they're like, you know, like the German youth <laughs> out to sort of jail the people who are speaking against the Heike, who are like the prominent family that serves the emperor, right? Right. They're just the young kids like going around bullying people. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's what it looks like. And they react to her being childish, but with a good intention of wanting to save these people. And they, they end up killing her father. And that's like right from the beginning. Yeah. And then we we follow her journey from there. She ends up actually becoming a part of one of the main Heike family members and is a witness to everything that goes on during their rise and their fall. Right. And and then she she writes the epic. I, I went back and I rewatched part of the first episode, and they do this throughout like the entire series from the beginning, multiple times throughout the following episodes, and again at the end, where it's really nailing in major themes of this show. And I'm assuming this is also from the original work. This quote, uh, I'll say the quote now. It's the Bu- Buddha's temple bells told the message that all existence is impermanent. The saw trees' blossoms turn white to grieve him. A reminder that all who flourish must fall. Indulgence does not last. It shall be like a spring night's dream. The dauntless shall meet their end. They shall be as mere dust before the wind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's from the original. Yeah. Now, when I first watched this, because it says it at the beginning, it just kind of like went in one ear and out the other, and it was just more like flavor to me. I I was like, like, oh, all these people are going to (laughs) die. So you knew from the get-go, like, you actually, like, paid attention to what she was saying. I I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just was like, oh, this is really nice music. I really like her voice. Oh, you know, (laughs) there will probably be death, but I didn't really, like, correlate it to who it was going to be. Oh, yeah. I just assumed everyone's going to (laughs) die. I I was kind of surprised the one person survived. Yeah. Did you want to um, talk about some of your other favorite moments uh, before we go into the ending of this show? Well, I was going to say my favorite moment was the last five minutes. So. <laughs> what? You know, I think I saw your tweet about this where you're like, this was that ending. It's like your favorite thing. Yeah, it's like, it has to be like maybe the best five minutes of anime I've ever watched. That's really interesting to me that you would, uh, you would consider that. So since like we're already here, much? and even though it's about the ending, which is the ending, we can talk about it now. Like, why did you like the last five minutes so much. Well, we, we already talked about what the ending would be. It's uh, everyone dies and we talk about the impermanence of all things and how yeah. everyone's dust before the wind. Yeah. I think a lot of it was like the music. The whole music of the show was just amazing. What, you mean the last five minutes, the music or what no, they no, were saying? The whole show, the, the music is mm. 
a lot of what made the show for me. Like, especially how mm-hmm. they use the Biwa music. Yeah, I think we both tend to like traditional Japanese music. And a lot of other shows, like, they'll feature it. But they don't go as far as I want them to go. Right. And you get it a lot. You get the Biwa and... Also the voice, like that's a, it's a marriage of the two together, right? It's not just the instrument, it's also the vocals. Like it just resonates through this entire show. Yeah. But then anyway, the last five minutes, what really ditched me was when, uh, I don't know, that last guy drowned. Then she's, she's like walking around thinking of everyone who dies and she has the like dream picture of everyone in the past smiling happy together. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad, yeah. And then, it, then it like all goes dark, and then she starts like softly playing the Biwa music, and then you just see those those like five threads uh, of different colors, the Biwa strings, and they like vibrate and spread out, kind of. And she's like softly playing the music, and then she starts reading the poem about. Uh, it's the one that you quoted earlier. Where, and she reads that as, as the strings are playing and she's playing the viewer uh, and she doesn't read it. She like does that chanting thing. And then, yeah. then it ends with like, they shall be as mere dust before the wind. And then her side profile shows up and it was so good. And then, then the last one who's left, she meets with that guy who killed them all in the garden. Yeah. That was interesting that he survived. I mean, isn't he the emperor? <laughs> Oh yeah, he's the emperor. I, I honestly, I kind of got confused a lot about who was who in this show. But. Yeah, no, I also did too. Like, I knew that there were different parts of the Heike family and like their roles, but I definitely lost track of how they were related to one another. Like, some of them seemed to be like related by marriage yeah, or through blood, like uncles and children, and like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, then uh, the girl who that guy killed all her family. She's like, oh. It happens. Whatever. Let's leave it behind us. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. I read later that actually that her meeting him, they think it's like a later addition to the story. Oh, really? Like it wasn't with the original work? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I had mixed feelings about that part, about her speaking with him. Oh, I... And just... just It was, it was so... I, I don't know much about Buddhism, really, but it just seemed so overly, like, forgiving. <laughs> Like, she's up, she's come to peace with it. Like, this is what happens in life. These are how things are. All you can do at the end is pray, be at peace with yourself. That's what it felt like. But I just couldn't forget, like, what this man did and what he didn't do. And, like, all of the chaos and death that resulted that could have been avoided. Like, I I can't be at peace with that. And prayer does jack shit, in my opinion. So I just was like, no. No, I can't see how you can just talk to him peacefully like this. But that, that's what makes it so <sighs> interesting. Right? I I don't know if I could either, but she could, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I really did enjoy her character. And I feel like for her own sanity that perhaps she had to do this because all her life, this is also part of the, um. they really captured well, I feel, the tone, the expectations the style of this entire era, right? And how women like her, particularly in her position, are tools, right? Mm -hmm. Like their children that their parents give off the marriage, that form connections for political purposes, that are made to birth the next generation. And she's talking to her father-in-law, basically, right? Who is the emperor. (laughs) Right. And she, all her life has always been made a pawn for other people. So it's not like she could do anything, really. Like, what power does she have? Yeah, her only power is... uh 
who is that? Her mother-in-law, the crazy one who like jumps. yeah, the one who like takes her child and drowns yeah. with him. <laughs> Jesus, like why did he have to die? <laughs> like it was to protect him from like a worse future, maybe. I guess. Or at least that's well, I mean, that's what they made it sound like is like they're going to bring him back. But like what kind of future would he face? Right. Because they've already determined that they're making a different emperor with the bastard child. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems better to uh, to be alive than to not that's be still emperor, my opinion. But... Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to give up. I'm like, who's to say they've been they've been on the run for like how long? Right. Like maybe they just couldn't find hope. Right. But again, like strong opinions is very interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely strong opinions. I was just mad and I was sad and I was disappointed. But I think that's great because it really goes to show like how well they capture just human nature, you know, right? like people aren't predictable. Things aren't predictable. And they have like all these wars and they all come across as just like so completely pointless. That is something I really enjoyed about this, right? Is that you have like a lot of the characters, like the children that Bio grows up with and how they talk about how they're going to go to war and they're like excited about it when they're younger. Right. And then when they get older and they actually experience it. <laughs> like you have the one who was always teased about being a coward and that turned out to be true in the in the real deal. But like, can you blame him from what he saw? No. And that he doesn't have like the character to be able to move past that like his other brother. But at no point do I feel like they ever glorified war. Like they show it quite a lot. Yeah. They they have a lot of people who like think war is glorious. Yeah, and then you actually see what happens to them, to the people around them. Like holy shit, was it their cousin, the one who plays the flute, who like dies on the beach to the man who ends up not wanting to kill him? Like that just broke me. Yeah. That was a good oh. one. This is horrible. This all could have been avoided. And what's interesting is it, it like shows that through the like most rich and powerful people in the country. And then in the background, you see all these poor people just constantly dying and no one cares. Yeah, they're, they're witnessing this, right? They're seeing right. the squabbles among the people that are supposed to be their protectors, right? Yeah. <laughs> the noble class. Yeah. And they repeat that. That's interesting that you bring that up. Even from the very first episode, I remember being repulsed by them saying, like the head of the Heike, saying that all other, we're the only humans, right? Do you remember him saying that? And like yeah, nobody else outside of the Heike is human. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's yeah, just yeah. some, that's some horrible, like, non-human shit to say. Yeah, exactly. And I, <sighs> I think, uh, Biwa's character, the addition of Biwa, like, really added to that. Since so she was, uh, started off as this poor person and mm-hmm. kind of joined the rich people as an observer. And then she left them again. Her leaving them was interesting because she was actually thrown out, wasn't she? I think she was thrown out, but it was in order to protect her. Yeah, that's the question is, do you feel like, that was something that he wanted to do or that he was doing it to protect her because he seemed pretty vicious when he said it at the moment but then the reaction afterward and like her her reaction to it uh, made it seem more like you said that he was doing it to protect her oh i i totally thought he was doing it to protect her okay so what was your favorite moment (sighs) it's hard to say that there's a particular favorite moments because there's just like so many great ones and i also feel bad that a lot of the ones that I really remember that I thought were really well portrayed are sad moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that cousin's, that cousin's death I mentioned, the one on the beach. Like I was just torn apart by that, but I thought it was also beautiful the way they showed that. Right. 
What are some other moments that I enjoyed? I guess the the time when they all played the flute on the beach and they were sort of fleeing the previous capital at that point, but they had like that moment of peace when they had formed that new capital, right? In the middle of nowhere. Right. In a tropical place and they played the flute together. I thought that was nice. They really seem to like introducing like these these instruments in a way to sort of drive the emotion of the show. Mm-hmm. That's true. The flutes were a major part in addition to the viewer. Because it's usually a moment of joy that they're playing these flutes. And then you have the time where they try to play them and someone else tells them, don't do that. It's too sad. (laughs) It sounds too lonely and too sad at this time. Right. That was a good part. Something I wanted to touch back on that we had mentioned earlier was you brought up the whole inevitability of change, right? That's like quoted from the very beginning. I think you did, but yeah. Yeah, and then it it continues on. It's a strong theme through the rest of the show, right? That everything is going to change. Everything is impermanent. And that sort of marries in with, um, I feel like you have like a combination of Buddhist and Shinto sort of beliefs here about the changing seasons, right? That's featured heavily here. And yeah, like we see so many things change, but I don't feel like Biwa ever changed. (laughs) Like maybe the lessons that she learned and like her own self-discovery, right? Because she loses her father. She joins this family. She's kind of an outsider all the time. And she's always wanting to know what happened to her mother. Right. And she's like frustrated by her inability to do anything because she has this ability to see, which from the very beginning we, we um, learn is that she has like the ability to see the uh, future with one of her eyes. And then she later inherits the ability to see the dead too. And she really struggles with her inability to act upon this knowledge right on and whether or not she should even say anything because a lot of times she'll like foresee people's deaths and like i just wish she would tell them (laughs) but she's like conflicted and like doesn't because you don't want to meddle with that well i thought she like tried sometimes but nothing changed yeah when did she try because i I thought she does always like kept it to herself and just cried about it later no i think towards the towards the beginning Mm -hmm. didn't when her like adopted father die she she told him but then he just like smiled and he's like, has to happen. Oh, did she? I forgot about that then. I think he also did with uh, one of the women he was going to drown. Maybe I'm getting confused though. No, she like sees it. She sees the future. Are you talking about Tokuko? The one who is married off? Maybe. Like she sees her drowning with her son. And then when the moment actually comes, she recognizes it. But then also realizes that while she saw this drowning, Tokuko didn't actually die. Right. Right. Because she tells her that this is not her future, that she's not supposed to end here. She's supposed to continue on, which I thought was interesting because that's not the feeling that you get through, like, I think the rest of the series because they show that drowning, like, repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was funny how this story, which is appropriate for an epic, seems to go over many, many, many years. We see the kids that she started with grow up and become adults. Right. And I don't know if Biwa ever physically changed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she mean, was like, small oh, she was small at the beginning same hairstyle everything personality and then all after all this time everyone else is bigger and she looks the same that's true i don't think she ever grew up <laughs> like they make a joke about it every now and then but like seriously she she just seems immortal to me maybe she is for viewer and it's like that's just Paired with, she she has, has this otherworldly aura to her anyways, because whenever she plays her Biwa and we see that, like, other version of herself with the white hair, it just seems like something supernatural. Right. Well, I mean, she does have her supernatural powers, so. Right. 
which we don't really know where that comes from. And we know that her mother kind of has it, but right. we don't know if her mother's eyes are strange, but I don't know if that means that she actually has the same powers. Right. I forgot what happened when she met her mother. Uh, her mother, like, apologized for leaving them for a Heike man. <laughs> right. And that she felt like she had to follow him. They don't go into too much detail that I recall. She just, like, is very apologetic for leaving the husband and the daughter behind to pursue, like, what she wanted. I see. And they seem to come at peace with one another, despite, like, how upset Biwa is. Right. I even forget what Biwa's real name is, but she, she tells her. That's true. Uh, yeah, and then she says, oh, my real name is Biwa. Yeah. But I, th- I think she did change a little bit. She came to, like, accept what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think when she makes that decision to be a witness. Right. Because when she leaves, she joins those girls, those dancer girls, and then she decides to come back because she wants to witness the end of the Heike no matter what. I think that's when she makes, like, a major shift in her yeah. personality. Well, not personality, in her outlook on, like, on her abilities and what she should do with them. Right. And like you said before, I'm not sure she made a good decision, but <laughs> she made a decision. Why do you think you're not sure if it was a good decision? I'm just curious, like, what do you wish she had done? Or do you wish she had done something different? I don't think I wish she had done something different. Just I wouldn't have done that. What would you have done? <laughs> I would have, like, tried to save them all pointlessly. Oh, or yeah. I, or I would have just, like, gone away somewhere. I feel like that would have been a totally different story, Draggle. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have that, like, acceptance of change, right? Yeah, I- I'm not very accepting, I guess. <laughs> you would have fought it, probably. Or I would have just uh, made so many friends who weren't all going to die in some stupid war. I mean, that's basically what those dancer girls were. They represented a possibility for her, didn't they? They wanted her to stay with them. Exactly. I would have stayed with the dancer girls. But it turned out, you know, I thought that was really interesting about their character. Like, one of the girls, do you remember? She ends up entrancing one of the main opponents to the Heike. Do you recall that? No, I don't. It was like one of the young generals or leaders or whatever of the Genji or whatever. Like, she dances at one of their parties and then he falls for her. It's not featured too much, but I I just thought that was super interesting that that ended up being the case. I had really a lot of trouble keeping the Genji straight, except for the the one crazy guy. (laughs) The, like, barbarian, the wild man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he was kind of comical. And I remember being super frustrated at that battle when he, like, says, we'll start at this time. And I'm just, like, thinking, no, he's a liar. Don't believe him. (laughs) Uh, I just felt so bad for the Heike family, which is funny because at the beginning, I didn't like them. I didn't trust them because of those youth that we saw that ended up killing Biwa's father. And then you end up getting to know them, knowing how horrible they can be to one another, but then also kind of loving them in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. It was a good show. I struggled to think of like any other show that like gets even close to that this season. Yep. This season or even this year, right? I agree. <laughs> Parts of it kind of remind me of Yoge Mono. Oh yeah, which I still have yet to watch. I was planning on watching it this holiday. Yeah, Yoge Mono is less moving, I would say. But it's mm. it's similar in that it's very artistic. It uh has a interesting take on history. Okay. I would say that maybe another show that, like, vies for anime of the year is Odd Taxi. That's still, like, fantastic to me. That was a good one. Yeah. It's probably my favorites of the year, too. Yeah, between these ones, like, Odd Taxi, Heike Story, and then you said Hyoge Mono, like, I, I really struggle to think of any other that could be top show. Oh. And like you said, maybe of the decade, we'll see. Well, Yoge Mono was, like, ten years ago, but... <laughs> oh, was it? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just reminded me of this one. Okay. 
Yeah, like these are like unquestionable masterpieces in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and just as a note, we will be uh, releasing this obviously during the, the holiday season. And our next episode is probably going to be the seasonal wrap, which might be delayed due to Christmas and New Year's. So you can look forward to that. Can't wait. Tune in again to Kaiseki Anime Podcast two weeks from now. Please feel free to send us questions or comments on Twitter with hashtag Kaiseki Anime Podcast or on our individual account at Draggle underscore Coon and at Anime BNB. Listen and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to grow and improve. You can also find us on Google Play and Spotify. Thanks for listening. See you next time.